0: This morning, we're going to talk about a subject which is not really pleasant to discuss. I want to ask that you open your Bibles with me to the book of Genesis to chapter 39. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about Run, Joseph, Run. We're going to read about the life of Joseph, and we're going to read about some of the challenges that he faced as he began his service of God. Genesis 39, verses 1 through 12. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him the overseer of his house and all that he had he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house, and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Then he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread that he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is nothing or no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me, but you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And so it was, and she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. Now it happened in this time, about this time, when Joseph went into his house to do work, and none of the men of the house was inside, that she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and he fled and ran outside. Run, Joseph, run. You know, this was just one of the many challenges that Joseph faced in his life. If you studied the life of Joseph, you could look at a number of these different challenges that he faced, but this was one of the great ones. This was a temptation that arose due to his being successful. You see, with prosperity often comes temptations. You may find yourself in a position where you're wanting to succeed at work. You're wanting to do better. And as success comes, there comes with it a whole new set of temptations. And some of these are very difficult to face. You know, Christians today encounter the challenges the fleshly lust. I wish we didn't have to talk about such ugly topics as fornication. I wish we didn't have to discuss these things. But the truth is, it is everywhere in our world, just like it was in biblical times. Not only is it everywhere in our world, but it has become all too prevalent among those of us who call ourselves Christians. And the Bible has some very important teachings which you and I need to embrace, and this morning we're going to look at God's wisdom as revealed in the book of Proverbs chapter 7, and I want you to think as we study through this to keep the title of the lesson, Run, Joseph, Run in Your Mind, this is going to be an expository lesson. We're going to look at five principles that are found in this chapter. In Proverbs 7, verses 1 through 5, he's going to talk about prevention. Oh, how important prevention is. Then in verses 6 through 9, about being in the wrong place at the wrong time, doing the wrong thing. Then in verses 10 through 20, the proposition that the immoral woman put before Joseph, or put before uh, this young man, and I think about Joseph in doing this. Then in verses 21 through 23, the plight that one suffers when he gives in. What does it end up costing us? And then finally, the plea. Every mother, every father, every husband, every wife, every child who wants one to do what is right begs with a plea. Let's begin as we start again in Proverbs chapter 7. Brother Jason read to us verses 1 through 3. Let's look at. Also, verses 4 and 5 with this. He said, My son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live and my law as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom... You're my sister and call understanding your near kinsmen that they may keep you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her lips. You see, as you think about prevention, it's so important to recognize that teaching is a way of preventing someone from making a mistake. Part of the reason for this sermon is some one of you will find yourself at a particular special time in your life where you are going to be called upon to make a decision. And you're going to have to think back somewhere in your mind and say, what am I going to do? How am I going to react? David said in Psalm 119, verse 11, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. You put God's word in your heart, and then when you are encountered with a situation like was Joseph, then you say, Run, Joseph, run. Flee from this situation. Solomon begins this by talking about how a person views his commandments. He said you ought to look at them like a treasure. He said like the apple of your eye, the the very center of your eye, your pupil, that part that is most precious. Like you might permanently attach them to your hand or write them on the tablet of your heart. Like you would the endearment that you have for a sister or for somebody kin to you who's very close He said, that's the way you've got to look at my commands. And these commands are warnings against an immoral woman. You know, Solomon evidently felt that this was such an important topic He not only dealt with it here in chapter 7, but if you look in chapter 2, chapter 5, and chapter 6, he talks about this woman. He said in chapter 2, verse 16, to deliver you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her lips. Chapter 5, verse 3, for the lips of an immoral woman drip honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. Chapter 6, verse 24, to keep you from the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of a seductress. Someone says, well, Solomon didn't have a very high view of women. Oh, no, he did. Solomon had a great appreciation for women. He said, whoever finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains a favor from the Lord. He talks about in Proverbs 31 and verse 10. He said, for a worthy wife, who can find for her price is far above rubies. No, it wasn't. Solomon was down on women. He was high on good women But he was down on the immoral woman. And so as Solomon begins this chapter, he's talking about how to prevent problems from happening. You listen to the commands of God. You place them in your heart. You prize them. You treasure them. But now I want you to look at with me in verses 6 through 9. For at the window of my house... I looked through my lattice, and I saw among the simple, I perceived among the youths a young man devoid of understanding, passing along the street near her corner, and he took the path to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark of night." Some people are in the wrong place, at the wrong time, doing the wrong thing. He is at the harlot's house late at night. In fact, it talks about how he made his trip by there and he's first going near the corner. Now he's no longer going near the corner, he is going up her path. No longer is he at the path now. He says, as I look out the window, I see him all the way at her house. I've got a cousin who often would make the statement. Someone would say, well, I got in trouble here. I did this and it turned out bad. His favorite phrase was, stay out of those places. If you won't ever go there, then you won't have the problem." I've used the illustration several times. At many times, we're we're looking for opportunities. That's what this young man, devoid of understanding, was doing. He's just like David. For instance, when you study the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 11, to paraphrase, it's the time when kings go out to war. But David sends Joab, he doesn't go himself. And when you get to the end of verse 1, but David remained at Jerusalem. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed, walked on the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. He shouldn't have been there. He should have been out with his army. But David found himself in the wrong place at the wrong time and ended up doing the wrong thing. In Proverbs chapter 4, One of the great warnings that Solomon gave to his son was, Son, there are going to be people who are going to do bad things. Don't go with them. Notice the way he puts it. Hear, my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of life will be many. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in the right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. And when you run, you will not stumble. Take Firm hold of instruction. Do not let her go. Keep her for she is your life. Now listen carefully. Do not enter the path of the wicked. And do not walk on the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it. Pass on. If this young man had done like Joseph did and run rather than following the path, see here's a problem too many times we make it possible in Romans chapter 13 verse 14 but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust sometimes we don't realize that we keep putting ourselves over and over and over in the wrong place a rather humorous illustration that I know some of you have heard me use before fellow says, if the Lord wants me to have a donut, he'll make me a parking space right in front of the donut shop. And he said, sure enough, the fifth time around, right there was that space. People don't realize, if you avoid the things that you should avoid, you won't have so much of the problem. So you have the prevention, and then you have the place, the pathway that leads to her house. Now let's look at verses 10 through 20, the proposition. And there a woman met him with the attire of a harlot and a crafty heart. She was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay at home. At times she was outside, at times in the open square, lurking on every corner. So she caught him and kissed him, and with an impudent face she said to him, I have peace offerings with me. Today I have paid my vows. So I came out to meet you, diligently to seek you, your face. I have found you. I have spread my bed with tapestry, colored coverings of Egyptian linen, I perfume my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. For my husband's not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He's taken a bag of money with him. And he will come home on the appointed day. Oh, if you start looking at her enticing propositions that she begins to put before him, the very first proposition is not even spoken, it's the clothes she wears. She's dressed the part. She has the attire of a harlot. You know who she is by the way she dresses. How sad it is that sometimes women advertise themselves and they say, well, I didn't know I was doing that. If you don't want to look like a harlot, don't dress like a harlot. And so here she is. She's advertising herself. When Coretta and I lived in Clarksville on the 1st and the 15th, on both sides of the street going toward Fort Campbell, there were women who would be walking the streets. You knew who they were. You knew why they were there. And you could tell it by the way they were dressed. The second thing you will notice about her, she was loud and rebellious, searching for takers. She wouldn't stay at home. She was out in the open courts. She was out looking for her praise. And with brazen flattery, enticing speech, oh, I've come out for you. I was looking for you. I want you to come with me. Oh, making someone feel as if they are special. Preparations have been made. You look, our bed has been done. Oh, not only, I paid my vows today. I'm already in right relationship with God, so we we can do whatever we want to do. You don't have to worry about my husband. He took a big bag of money with him. He's gone for a long time. In fact, I even know when he's coming back. He's he's given an appointed day. So you don't have to worry. We're not going to get caught. Everything is ready. Listen to Solomon later in Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 26. And I find more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets, whose hands is fetters He who pleases God shall escape from her. But the sinner shall be trapped by her. Run, Joseph, run. Don't let her trap you. Notice her heart is a snare. Her hands are fetters. Once she gets a hold of you, you are gotten. Let's talk about the plight for just a moment. Chapter 7, verses 21 through 23 says, With her enticing speech, She caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately he went after her as an ox goes to slaughter or as a fool to the correction of stocks till an arrow struck his liver as a bird hastens to the snare. He did not know that it would cost his life. You're leading that... Ox, He's going to the slaughter. He doesn't know what's going to happen to him. He's just being led along. A bird is just playing along and then the snare falls and the bird is trapped. He doesn't realize his plight. Doesn't know what's going to happen to him. Let me point out to you, your sins will find you out. I can't tell you how many times that I've had people tell me I didn't think I was going to get caught. I didn't believe that this would turn out this way. In the book of Numbers 32, 23, he said, Be sure that your sin will find you out. But I go even further to Isaiah 59 and verse 12, and Isaiah presents it like this, and I can tell you this is true For our transgressions are multiplied before you. Our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us. And as for our iniquities, we know them. Do you know what happens many times when people give in to what is described here? They later suffer with terrible guilt. Because they know what they've done. Our sins are with us. We know what we've done. Not only does God's word condemn us, but we condemn ourselves knowing that we have violated his law. In Chapter 6, verses 26 and following. For by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread. And an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. Can a man take fire into his bosom and not be burned? Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her will not be innocent. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he is starving. Yet if he is found or when he is found, not if, when he is found, he must restore sevenfold he may have to give up all the substance of his house. Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does so destroys his own soul. Wounds and dishonor will he get, and his reproach will not be wiped away. For jealousy is a husband's fury. Therefore he will not spare it in the day of vengeance. He will accept no recompense, nor will be appeased, though you give him many gifts. What is Solomon saying? You look at this man. Look where it leads. He said, Not only do you lose your soul, you get your wounds, you get your dishonor. And when the husband finds about, it's going to be even worse on you. People think they won't get caught. But when they do, the consequences are much worse than they ever anticipated. Which brings me to the plea. Would you listen carefully to verses 24 through 27. Now therefore listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside after her ways. Do not stray in her paths. For she has cast down many wounded, and all who were slain by her were strong men. Her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. If you know something beforehand, you are much more prepared to deal with it. Just like Peter said, He said, but you, beloved, knowing these things beforehand, beware lest you fall from your own steadfastness. You warn people of things because you know the potential. As parents, when we're rearing our children, we try to tell them, I have been here, I have seen it myself. Please listen carefully. And Solomon says, strong men have been taken in by her. Oh, how many people want to say, well, I'm strong enough to handle my liquor. I can quit any time I want to. Really? But you just never want to? People who believe they can get involved in fornication and it not destroy their lives are only fooling themselves. Strong men have been put there and they didn't survive Proverbs 2.19, none who go to her return, nor do they regain the paths of life. That's a true statement. You never get back to where you once were. But he who does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of hell. Wounded, death, hell. No one who loves someone else would ever want them to be wounded never want them to die, and never would want them to go to hell. Joseph did the right thing. Mrs. Potiphar kept saying, Joseph, Joseph. And he said, no, no, no. But then when he found himself in a situation at a particular point in time where he had no one else around him and it was just a decision that he had to make in the spur of the moment, he ran and he did the right thing. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 18, flee fornication. Run from it. When you find yourself in a position of being tempted, say no. But I don't want to leave this lesson without emphasizing that there's a much better way. When you and I realize that sin is something you ought to run away from, there's something we ought to be running to. Paul would tell Timothy, flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. This morning, I'd like to encourage you to avoid sin, not just one sin, but all sin. And I'd like to encourage you to recognize that there is a better way. The better way is to be a Christian. The better way is to pursue what is right. And This morning, if you want to become a Christian, because you believe in Jesus Christ, come forward and repent of those sins that you've committed. Be baptized for the remission of your sins. Everything is ready for you right now. It's a decision you have to make, a choice you need to make. If you're a Christian and you're struggling with any sin in your life, you want to be restored to faithfulness, come, we'll pray with you. As God's Word calls you, will you respond to the invitation so we stand together and sing?